Allianz. Supporting all 32 counties through the Allianz Leagues. Tip the scale. Just remember that, then. There's a small bit of a needle there. Now, come on, Mayo. You've got to get Andy Moran into the game. Hello, everyone. You're very welcome to the Irish Examiner Gaelic Football Show in partnership with Allianz. There was no live TV in Ireland when Loud last won the Leinster Senior Football Championship. It was 1957 the year the Soviet Union launched the first space satellite, Sputnik 1, and the price of a pint was just 7p in new money. <laughs> Loud beat Cork back in that 1957 final. Porrick Harrington's father, Paddy, was starring for Cork, but Loud had, among others, the great Kevin Behan, and they won by two points. Loud beat Cork again last weekend, and there was something remarkable happening in the smallest county in the country once more. Today we are going inside the Loud dressing room to hear how Mickey Hart has taken a team who just two years ago were in Division 4 of the National Football League to within one game of Division 1. Now the next week is going to define whether many counties will be able to call the season a success or a failure. So we're going to look at all four divisions of the National Football League, at the rise of Fermanagh, at Galway's new players and at promotion and relegation. Later on we're going to look at the potential mass exodus of county players over the next few years. And we look also at divides between the AFL and the and the GAA in terms of uh, what players do and what they don't do. My name is Paul Rouse and I'm joined by the former Mayo footballer and manager, James Horn, by the loud footballer, Kieran <clears throat> Byrne, and by Morris Brosnan of the Irish Examiner. James, we have to start with Mayo. Top of the league into a final. Would you go bald-headed now to win the league? Oh, absolutely, uh, Paul. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't. There's a, there's a lot of talk, you know, about not wanting this and not wanting that and not wanting league finals and and and, and whatever, you know. Um, I, I I don't think that that works. If you're trying to tune up and tune down a team and telling a team not to do this and setting it up, not going out to win a game, I don't know. I think that's a bad. That creates a bad mindset and, and 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 can change things around the place. So when you have momentum, things are going well, everyone's everyone's fit, everyone's pushing for places. You you you're the form team. Why why wouldn't you go to win a win a national title? So you, you can be sure May will be absolutely gunning for that for that. So they're playing really well, Paul. Um, flying, you know, again dismantled Donegal yesterday with with with, with ease really, and I've done that to several several top teams throughout this division one campaign so so uh going well um it does it, it is worth knowing though it's 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 a very strange division one i know we've chatted about this yeah before. it's it's it, so up and down it's so up and down and you've you've really good teams not you know not even close to what they're capable of um which which can give can give a sort of false sense of where where things are at you know i think it's been a poor league overall you know if you look at the games um, and and the standard of some of them, um, but the bright light are, are are Mayo going well, and and hopefully they continue and and, and get better and better as it, as the season proceeds. If you were Mayo manager, who would you prefer to play in the final, Kerry or Galway? 
the game board answer here, but wouldn't doesn't matter. Wouldn't care. Uh, you just wouldn't care. Uh, if you start worrying about that stuff, you, you know, you prepare yourself, and then when you when you when you find out who's who you're playing, you, you start to do your work and you know work on your matchups, work on work on how you're going to be as effective as you can be, and and, and take it from there. But it, you know, there's that's that's great supporters and and uh, talk and and you know you, you know they get yeah. involved in that. But as regards to player, you just you know getting ready, whoever it is, doesn't doesn't matter. And in Division One, it is the big game in terms of who's going to get to the league final is Kerry Galway, and we'll talk a little bit about Galway later on in 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 this podcast. But down the other end, Donegal are gone, and they looked abject um, yesterday. And it's it really comes down now to to can Ross Common beat Donegal next weekend? Can what what are Monaghan going to do against Mayo? Monaghan's long tenure in division one looks under enormous threat yeah um yeah Kerry Galway would be would be a very very interesting game in 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 Galway Dolly Gall as we touched on yesterday um and you know last week we chatted about um everything that's surrounding Dolly Gall at the moment and that that percolates through a through a county board, through a team, through management, through everything else, and and the, just the energy around the team, and probably from people around the team, isn't 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 strong either. So, for Donegal to turn that round against a you know it's a perky Roscommon team, you, you know they were probably unlucky a little bit against against Kerry, you could say, you know, and came back strongly against Mayo. So, um, you know, had three wins in the month. So they're they're a they're a serious team. They're at home, and you know you've heard Davy Burke; he's not happy with with three defeats. On the on the bounce, so they'll be absolutely going going for that game. Oh, it's going to be spicy, isn't it? That's going to be uh, really yeah, spicy it, next it, weekend. It's hard to see Donegal turn that round after you know being at home with the record they have up in their place against Mayo. You know, not to see the fight that you'd expect, regardless of the score. You know, not to see a real fight. Um, there, there, it's going to be hard to turn around in a week. Yeah. Um... If we leave Division One, Kieran, because in fairness, there's only one game that matters next <laughs> weekend uh, in these leagues, and it's the top of Division Two for you, Loud against Dublin. Did you see this happening at the start of this season, where Loud would be going to Crow Park to play Dublin for a place in Division One? Winner takes all. Uh, first of all, Paul, thanks for having me on. I'm delighted to be on. Uh, I suppose uh, definitely not. Um, I suppose from the outside looking in, a lot of people doubted Loud's position in Division 2 and they would have, I suppose, touted us and Limerick to be the ones to be relegated. But uh, it's not to be. We're up, uh, well, I think we're toward in the table at the minute. And as you said, we're pushing for promotion, which is a massive game for us against Dublin next week. And look, it's a win-win for us. I think at the start of the, at the, start of the season, Division two retention would have been, I suppose, one of our main focuses, and we've done that now. And, and hopefully, we can go that one step forward. And look, as as footballers, and I suppose as loud footballers, we dream of playing in Division one, and, and we could possibly do that next year. So, uh, look, let's see how next week goes, and, and fingers crossed, we can get the job done. What has Mickey Hart done in that dressing room? What's the single most important thing that he has done since the minute he walked into Loud? Look, it's been a massive, it's been a massive thing in Lodge GA. Um, massive kudos to, to Peter Fitzpatrick and, and the county board for, I suppose, getting the two boys in in the first place. Uh, when the news was first announced, um, we, we couldn't believe it. Uh, getting Mickey Hart allowed is is uh, is unheard of. Um, and I suppose from day one, uh, the things he's done, it's I suppose it's a mixture of a lot of things. Um, 
to come from Division Two, Division Four to Division Two in in a couple of years has been has been a massive jump. Um, he, he's changed a lot of things. It's not just I suppose proving us as players, but he's changed the whole culture, uh, the environment around training, uh, the whole the whole training ground in Davos has changed. The facilities are top class. Um, even little things, getting our gear on time, which which was something that I suppose we never used to get. Uh, the food we get at training every night is is uh, is top class. Is, um, we have cryotherapy, ice baths, and, and and everything within the within the training ground now at the minute. So these are little changes that might seem quite small, but in the grand scheme of things, they all add up to I suppose make us better players. Um, and every night at training, like boys are pushing for position. That never used to be the case within Loud. It's, boys were just so happy, I suppose, to play for Loud and, and just turn up every week and, and see how things things went. But now we have a panel of 35 players that are just pushing for positions every every week. And uh, I suppose for myself, I'm, I'm itching to get back. I know it's not going to be this year, but... Um, you're, out, you're out injured at the moment. Yeah, so unfortunately in, in, in round one against Clare, in the first five minutes, I, I did my cruciate, so... It's my second time doing it now at this stage, so fingers crossed the boys will be hopefully in Division 1 next year and I'll be coming back to a great standard of football. So, uh, Isn't this one of the more extraordinary things as well? There, uh, by my reckoning, there are five starters from the Loud team out injured at the moment and still you're pushing for promotion to Division 1. Yeah, look, I suppose that's that's why you have a panel. Uh, yeah, we're, we're five players short, me and Sam being, uh, being one of them. and, and a few right, right, yeah. Yeah, Sam's unfortunately done his, his hamstring, so he's out until prob- probably championship now at this stage. So, look, as I said, that's that's why you have a panel. Uh, we have a panel of 35 players, and each lad comes in and plays a role for the team. And um, we always speak about within Loud, it's the collective. It's, it's just, I suppose, we, not me. So that mentality has been driven across the group, and, and, and it's, it's paying dividends at the minute. Does Mickey take the training sessions? No, he doesn't, no. Uh, Mickey kind of sits back and... Like like a good manager and views everything and and when he has a word to say he will say it. Uh, Gavin his Gavin Devlin we call him horse within within our um, hemisphere and um, what he's done to our players and, and still the confidence within the lads is, is being second to none. Um, I've had a lot of coaches across my my time Gaelic football and in Aussie rules and Gavin sees the game like no one else and I honestly believe that we have one of the best coaches in what, Ireland. What do you mean by that? What do you mean? How does he see it? He just sees it differently. Um, I suppose us loud players probably didn't have the coaching, um, I suppose, for the last couple of years. And the way he sees the game, I suppose, the modern game these days and the way it's played, it's it's a lot more defensive. And the way he sees sees the game and being able to break it down into, into different stages is, is is really is remarkable. And, and for us to be able to get that coaching every week in Davos is, is, is making us better players. Like, So you, you now have a structure in how you defend is that it yeah well it's it's, it's quite obvious how, how the game has been played these days it's it has become a, quite a defensive game and i know before i went to australia in 2013 or 12 um the game was was quite open uh but it's progressed on to a, a bit more of a, a defensive defensive counter-attacking game and uh at times it can be quite hard to break it down and, and james will agree with me here it's it can be quite a boring game at times uh, I know the game me are trying to play at the minute. Um, it's it's near impossible to play that style of play um, go toe to toe with certain teams. And um, I only wish we could do that, but that's just not the way the game has has gone. And um, the way you can break that down and and 
stick stick with that is is quite tough. But um, look, that's just the way the game has went, and you have to adapt to these things. Kieran, Mike, Mike, come in there. I'm fascinated. Like to come through the division so quickly um, is is an amazing achievement, and and even you know watching some of your games. For, for me, the, be- the belief that's developed is is massive, you know, and, and to, to have that in Division 2 and, and not alone have that, you know, you know, expect to win some of those games and and really have a good shot, to be honest, of getting to Division 1, I think it's amazing. How have you seen that that belief develop or that almost expectation from the players themselves develop? How, how has that progressed sort of week on week? Yeah, look, it's amazing. It's, it's not that long ago that we were playing in Division 4 and... I suppose confidence back then probably wasn't wasn't too high, but as as the years goes on, when when you win games, James, is the confidence just keeps building and slowly building. Um, I think for a long time there, Loud went winning games, uh, and that was down in Division Three and Four, and uh, I suppose the confidence was just depleted within the players. But when Gavin and Mickey come in, it's 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 amazing what they've instilled in us. Uh, the belief within, I suppose, our four walls that I suppose that the ceiling can can only be so high and. Um, we, we've climbed the way up to Division 2 now at this stage and we, we can only control what's inside our four walls and that's, that's the pre-season, that's the training that we do every night. And uh, This group never gets too high and it also never gets too low. So when we win a game on the weekend, we literally switch straight on to next weekend's game. I know it's as cliche as, as it sounds, uh, we take one game at a time. I know Gavin and Mickey might be looking ahead to the championship games and whatnot, but us as players, we, we're so focused and... I suppose when we win a game on the weekend, we, we can't wait till Tuesday night to, to, I suppose, review the game and, I suppose, move on to the next game. It's, it's taken one game at a time and it's, it's just a, it's a, it's a great buzz. You know, I'm injured at the minute, but even, even myself, I haven't missed a training session since I've done my cruise I just enjoy going up the training every night and, and the buzz is great. That's, that's an interesting one. To, and, you know, sometimes when you're injured, it can be hard to know, you know, do you go to trainings, do you hang around, are you involved, or what, what, what role can you play? What, what, what role are you playing as, as, a, as an injured player? Suppose, like, I, I think for myself, it's, it's, it's all I know as, as a kid. Uh, like, I love football, and, and if I wasn't to go up on a Tuesday night, I don't know what else I'd be doing. <laughs> so uh, I, I just enjoy going up. But I, I'm the type of player that likes seeing how other boys are getting on because I've been through the highs and lows of, of of an amateur sport and also professional sport. I like to, I suppose, keep lads on their toes. Uh, I might not be as vocal in meetings at the minute because it is mentally tough when you're not involved and you're not involved in the clips and you're not playing on the weekend. It, you feel like it, it's not your time to speak up, but uh, I suppose dealing with boys individually and see how they're getting on and I suppose pushing them to their limits and seeing if I can improve them, it's... It's something that I like to do, um, and look, I, I can't wait to get back into the into the fold of things, and hopefully that sooner rather than later. But it's just about pushing them standards and trying to, I suppose, uh, improve their marginal gains, them one percenters that boys need to need to improve. I think um, I think one of the great changes in the last, and it's happened really quickly over the course of this league, actually over six weeks, is that Loud can rightly say that you're now must be considered the second best team in the province and i suspect that you would have no fear of playing mead for example no I, and probably for a long time we we did uh like to meet in dublin it's 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 something that loud teams feared the fear played them teams but uh, as i said the confidence is, is slowly but surely growing uh the seeds being planted by the two boys and um we go into every game believing that we can win um 
and we're probably at a stage in Division Two now that we we probably should have won every game. Um, Claire, we were kind of hard done by by a couple of last minute points on their end. Uh, Derry, we we were well in the game up until the last few minutes. They got a fortuitous, fortuitous goal. So, look, we we could be sitting on on maximum points now at the minute. Um, but we went to the last game with with a great buzz and, and the potential to play against like a, a formidable Dublin team who are still chipping away nicely and, and not many people are talking about them. So, um, look, we're, we're confident that we can uh, put it up against them. James, if by 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 contrast, I looked at Mead at the weekend uh and they they i know everybody is talking about how the style of play there's something else really struck me though and that is that there are a lot of very average players on that team there's some good ones as well but it looked to me like that that the quality that mead are mead are just about where they deserve to be which is a set bottom half of division two team yeah, and, and looking for a for a league campaign that started off so brightly, you know, and and uh, down down the court. So, um, yeah, it was it was fairly bleak um, at, at at the at the weekend for me. And 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 uh, look, I think it's fairly obvious that that Cullum has a has a philosophy on play, which you know every 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 manager has, and and there's there's a way he he, he wants to play and and, and set his team up um and so so has has obviously tried that i suppose i suppose the realization maybe of where they where they are and and what's needed is is really coming home in every single game so i'm sure like Cullum's Cullum's a smart football f- football guy he, he he'll know he'll need to review and and just tighten things up in a very a very simple uh way of putting it um trying to play the game that he wants to play but 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 defensively needs to look at how can they how can they be harder to to get through you know because um at, at the minute any, any team will 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 really fancy that the teams the opposition will have a confidence really going in playing me because because of the type of game they'll know it'll be um and and how many chances they will get so so it just needs to probably look at something there to see how can, how how can they be be tougher and then try and exploit exploit their their strengths because look there, there, there's there's a long way to go and i i think i heard call him in the interview after you know looking for patience um and it is going to take time you know you know um to to build and go through that i, I i'm not sure we're going to see a loud story from from me moving through you know or developing that that quickly there's a lot there's a lot of um defeats and and mead have been off their perch that they had in the the 90s yeah. early 2000s they've been a long time away from that and have had a lot of drummings at the hands of Dublin, et cetera, et cetera. So, so um, needs to build and build slowly and build build structurally very, very solid, you know, for 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 both the game and for for, for I suppose Meads Meads mentality, which was one of their their huge attributes when they were when they were at their when they were at their peak. So, um, I think they've got players coming. Too. I think they've got players coming. So, I think the their minor team that won the All Ireland was very good. Yeah, They're good twenty players, some of the best Sigerson players in the country are mead players but but it, it, it there that's at least four or five years away before those players are going to be serious inter-county players yeah and and look sometimes it can happen quicker than you think if if you know kieran mentioned earlier on about results and you know all of a sudden things things can happen quickly too but i've no doubt a, a, a county like mead have have really good players around around the place 
um a lot of the, the bigger counties have you know a lot of a lot of numbers that 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 can add up quickly to to, to a solid team but i just think their confidence and belief at the minute is 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 rattled um and then the players you know it's almost like they need something to hang their hat on you know to build something right okay we get this and we do this well that'll help us get this and then you know build the step the step by step to to, to build it up um but try, trying to play that game where they are at the moment um and look at i think it's i i, I think i think it's the way football should be played but but you need to be realistic with where you are as a team um and how can you best get set up to be as effective as you can to try and win that game that you're playing you, you know so at the moment I'm, I'm i'm not sure they're they're set up to give themselves the best chance i'm not sure <coughs> excuse me i'm not sure though about me if you think about it it's 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 a long time since Mead clubs have been really forceful even in the Leinster club championship it's it's i think there's a way for them a way for them to go by contrast morris your galway are are going in the other direction and they look to have found players who are the new players that galway have pulled out over the winter and in through this league who look like they're going to push galway to another level uh well a lot of them are for choices the great twenties team that got to Ireland. I think there was nine of that twenties team playing at the weekend now, for example, um, which is kind of phenomenal to get nine from one under twenty one under twenty team itself. There's nine players involved at the weekend, and then you go into more detail about how Park has developed them. And it, Paul, it's, it's interesting. You, you go back to some of the stick maybe that Park got around uh, playing guys during the FBD League or lads who were playing seriously and playing a lot of games at the time, the likes of Matthew Turney or Sean Kelly. And I do think there's there's an element of Port Joyce which is uh, old school in that he firmly believes no matter what happens, the most important thing is playing football. Like he just, regardless of gym work or running or all that kind of, he really has a lot of faith in in that. So for example, uh, Sean Fitzgerald played at the weekend, I tell you the great game, that turn around, the 68th minute just before Manchester United gets pulled for uh, overcarrying, that was a huge moment in the game because they were away. That, that was finally, that was that was a good goal chance and uh, he forced Mackin back. But, Sean Fitzgerald hasn't played a minute in the league up until last weekend. So in the first round of club league games, this is, he was released back to his club last weekend, played there, had an absolute stormer centre-back, and came in and did a fine job centre-back. Um, Daniel O'Farty wasn't exposed at all, really, to the Galway panel until the winter, was called in off the back of a really good strong campaign with his club, Sasha Noctakara. I missed all the, there was a lot of justified hype around Peter Cook coming back and Ian Burke coming back. But another guy is John Maher, who, um, John Maher was a, a pretty good Sigerson footballer, made his debut, uh, had a against he actually James during COVID in the, the, the tomb when Galway were torn asunder by Mayo that day. He was taken off at half time and it looked like for all the world John Maher was never going to play for, for Galway again. He wasn't involved in the panel that year, wasn't in the squad at all in 2021 or in 2022. But at the start of last year, John O'Mahony took over his club, Sotchalantara, and he told John O'Mahony at the start of the year that he wanted to have a right crack off a good club campaign and try and build on that to get back in with Galway. And that's exactly what he did. He did a brilliant year with them. They got to a county final. He was recalled to the group. Um, Portjoy said that John O'Mahony told him explicitly that he was determined to try and get back in. He came on, had a great game, actually. The, he came on against Tyrone, caught the ball under the crossbar to the end of that, came on against Donegal and started and played all 70 minutes at the weekend. So as as much as... I, I Galway are motoring really well, but as much as that is down to... I think it's been a long-term plan. There's guys there who they've had a circle around. A lot of that 20s crop. Keen Hernan is another one that had a bad injury last year, but they worked very closely with him. 
to try and get him back. And uh, it's reaping dividends definitely now. The big criticism we had of Gary Lasher was that they don't have a panel and coming down the straight in the, the All-Ireland final that cost them. And suddenly they start to fill a lot of those holes. You're sounding quite bullish about Galway's prospects, <laughs> Morris. Um, am I bullish? I don't know. Like, because I think Galway is a really interesting case study, Paul, because there was a lot of potential pitfalls off the back of last year that coming off the back of losing a, a final and maybe would players be sticking around? Like, for example, if if they'd lost that Monaghan game, I really think we're going to go back to that. That could be a real crossroads for this team. And you know, Shane Walsh was just back. Comer was gone. It was that kind of negativity can seep and suddenly they, they pull it together and you know you're looking at a lot of very talented young players coming through. Tom O'Connor again came on at the weekend as another one you'd be fairly encouraged by. They can mix it a lot of ways. I think, you know, you're talking about styles there. A lot of teams are either wedded to one style or are building the the wrong way around, I would say. I, me, for example, to me, I think you build from the ground up. Like, Kieran, I, I think it's amazing how allowed went from utterly conceding a kick-out against Cork in the Championship last year. I mean, they put him back, you know, at times into their own half to annihilating, like, the way they took apart Michal Martin's kick-out at the weekends. I'm sure most people have seen James's catch from the, the way they took away that pocket of press. Mickey's definitely spoke after the game. That was something that they got a lot of joy out of, of Brit pulling that apart. There was clearly, they'd done a lot of analysis on that. But it, my point anyway is that now they've built from the ground up, like, you build from the back, the front. I think me, they're going about that the wrong way. Galway seem to be able to do both. Armagh, if anything, are averting. Um, so it is interesting in terms of way how teams are are being influenced by this. I think a lot of teams, Paul, uh, a lot of teams looked at remarkably last year, and maybe I'll be proven wrong with this. I think a lot of teams looked at Derry and said that could have or maybe should have been us. And I think that's... I'm, I watched Armagh against Galway the weekend. This is... They're doing so many things that Derry did last year. They're flooding the five men inside the 21 in attack. It's the exact same thing that Derry are doing. Overloads in defence, the way that you bring other players to one side, trying to be very controlled possession. I, I, maybe I'm wrong, but I think a lot of teams looked at Derry and said, that, that could have been us. We could have done that. And maybe that's why you're seeing certain teams line out the way they are. Whereas I think Galway, look at the players that are at their disposal. Mayo definitely do this. Look at the players that are at their disposal and say, how can we get the best out of what's there? It's funny. I thought it was it was amazing. They showed the high behind at one stage of the Donegal uh, Mayo game, and Mayo had five players inside the Donegal twenty one at various stages. But what struck me was the movement in there. It was absolutely excellent. Like Ryan O'Donoghue's movement. Everyone they're clearly pulling space with, with with um like with still while still keeping a focal point inside. But if you look at Galway, so they've got new players coming. Our our Mac, Kieran, do you have you played our man challenge matches for, for for loud over the last while? Uh, no, we actually haven't. No, it, it would be a good challenge. No, we haven't played them, but um, our man has some such talented players within the group, and uh, the style of bit of the plays is quite exciting. Um, the likes of Ray O'Neill and that just top class forwards. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how they get on. I suppose later on in the year. Yeah, where 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 is and it, it, there's every chance you could play them uh, next year. Although our man, I do see. Uh, they, they are in they are in danger to to some extent in Division Three. I mean, oh, we should by the way we have to note the fact that Clare, uh, Clare are now relegated with 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 Limerick, and Kieran, you they they snuck by you at the early stages in the league and then themselves lost very narrowly uh, to to Dublin, but probably worst of all to Kildare when there were matches that two matches that they probably had. What was it like? I, I know you got injured that day against Clare, but you must have seen, you must have looked at a lot of video 
before that Clare game. What did you think about Clare? Well, Clare have been, I think it's eight years they've been in Division 2. So, obviously, a quite seasoned team and quite difficult to beat. We were in, I think we were ahead of the game for most of it. And then they came home quite strong. It's quite a difficult place to go to. There were a lot of good forwards and and they finished the game quite strong. So, look, I suppose they were quite hard done by to be relegated, I suppose, this year. And, Division two was uh, such a great division, uh, probably the best out of out of all four this year. So, look, it's, it's a team had to go down, and and, and Clare and Emmerich had to be them too. So, uh, that's just the way it panned out. And J- James, I watched Clare and Derry on on Saturday, and I watched it on GA Go, and in the for in the forty second minutes or six or seven minutes after half time. The score was something like 11 points to no score. And Michael Murphy said on commentary that he was struggling to see where Clare's score were going to come by, where we're going to come from, where are they going to score, even though they were now playing with the wind. And you could see exactly where they were coming from. It was a complete unravelling. Yeah, yeah. You have, you have the two extremes, don't you? You have Derry on, on top of the world and 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 everything, everything is to look forward to, you know, they're serious all Ireland contenders. There's, there's no question. Do you think it. so? Do you think they are? Uh, I, I, I think well, are they are. Yeah, yeah. Do they have yeah. the inside forward line? Do they have? The ah, inside? they do. They, 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 they do. They've, they've a wide variety of players approach. They're, they're going to be hard to, to put up a big score against. Um, they're, they're, you know, Kieran mentioned, you know, how Derry played. They're three or four years ahead of where other teams are in terms of that, that method of play. So they're all very comfortable with it. Um, they they all know, know know what's happening. I just fear when when other teams start to to, to copycat other teams a little bit. Um, you, you know you can you can give away a bit of your identity a little bit too much if you copy other teams too much, which which I see happening in Gaelic all the time. You know, teams see someone else doing something and it's hard, so they 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 try and and copy that and then forget about what they're they're strong at. You know, but I'd, look at Derrier, they've. You know, right, right through the core, of their team, they're they're hard runners, they're strong in the mid in midfield, which you, you got to be at the top level. And I I think they've they've a spread of scores that 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 they'll be they'll be tough. You, can I just want to go back to Armagh for a second, if if, if you don't mind. I, I I'm completely confused with what Armagh are trying to do, um, and I know we might come back to this in detail. I, I think they're I think they've themselves tied in knots. From, from from what I can see, you, you know, they're so preoccupied with how defensively solid they should be and who should be where that their their balance isn't right from 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 defense to attack. And their transition isn't right. Their numbers aren't right. So you know, you saw even at, at the weekend, a lot of their shots were rushed coming through. Um, you're taking it on the run. So that that to me is evidence that their numbers aren't right ahead of the ball. They're they're their depth, you know, so having enough numbers deep to stretch the defence, you know, that four or five we're talking about in inside line, there isn't enough there because there's too many back and they're trying to all run together with or just ahead of the ball. So you don't have that depth. And their width, their width in attack is questionable as well. So I, I just think they haven't got that balance right. And, you know, I think they're overanalyzing opposition kickouts, what to do, where to go, whether it be full press, half press or drop off completely. And I just think they're a bit tangled up in what what they are at the minute. Like we see when they go behind and they throw caution to the wind, they press up and they attack and there's free flowing and whatever. So I think they need to 
just look at that balance and, and, and see how they can be how they can be more of a threat while 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 staying defensively solid. You know, so I think there's a there's a bit to do there. I just think they're overanalyzing it at the moment. And yeah, I agree. And Claire, just to close out, Claire, Claire, Claire looked kind of out of ideas. Yeah. Yeah, and I got a feel for it. Like we talked about Claire before, and Colin Collins, the, the job he's done down there. Some of some of those Claire players, I see Jamie, I see all these guys, and it's tough for them now. It's tough. And in that game yesterday, you know, they, they knew their fate um, early early on, and it was it was just a tough. Yeah, it was a slog. Tough relegation, and then you know, you mentioned there some of the games they played were the beginning of the beginning of the campaign. They had some really good performances, and you know, got pipped or can claim they were unlucky or whatever. And I just think the spirit. Got lost a little bit, and and it, it ends up yesterday um, with with just a complete demolition. And to, for a, a team to beat you in a relegation battle by that much, um, it's it, it's hard. It's going to be hard for Colin to lift lift the spirits there, and uh, you know for the for the season ahead. I looked at uh, Division Three. I've followed Division Three closely for awfully parochial reasons, obviously, and it was. Um, it was a it was a really really emotional game in in Turles, awfully Tipperary, awfully coming out by seven points, but a game that was way closer than than that. It was two very late goals which sealed it for for awfully and has left awfully with an outside chance of promotion. Have to play down next weekend if awfully win and if Fermanagh get beaten by Cavan, then uh, awfully are promoted. Cavan lost to Antrim. At the weekend, I think Antrim are one of the most unlucky teams in the league this year. I know they got demolished by Westmead a couple of weekends ago, but they were very close to beating Alfley, very close in other games. They were very, very competitive against Down. Uh, the big shock, I think, has to be Westmead losing three games, winning Talchin Cup, all talk about them moving on and now cannot be promoted. But Cavan already up. And if Fermanagh get a draw, or if Fermanagh beat, beat Cavan, Fermanagh are up, and that's that's a huge achievement, Kieran. From your this division last year that that you played in, is that is the, is the way it's turned out? Is this the way you thought it might when you looked down, or have you just left all this behind you? Uh, it's probably a bit of both. Um, I think when you're when you're in your in your own division, I suppose you focus on that massively. Um, but I think Cavan uh, for the last couple of years have been. A pretty good team and, and have come up the divisions uh, like we did um, and deservedly so. We'll be in Division 2 next year and probably will be competitive again. Uh, Fermanagh has been an amazing story, I suppose, over the last couple of weeks. They've got some massive wins and, and it looks like they'll they'll push on and, and probably get promoted. Um, but as I said for myself, um, I'm fully focusing on our division and, um, and next week. And... In in playing, what's the big difference between Division Two and Division Three? Is there is there a real? I, I will we'll take away quality. Is there stuff around the games as well that that make a difference? Uh, it's, it's 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 a bit like what James was saying earlier on. The way the game has changed, and um, it, it's such a competitive division. Uh, I suppose, like when you look at the, the teams, the caliber of teams that are in Division Two, you have Dublin, you have Derry, you have, I suppose, Mead, and. And and that like it's such a high caliber of uh, of teams and um, if you switch off for any any minute in the game, I suppose teams can get a get a run on you. Um, the way Derry play, they can they can really chip away scores. And and, and you look at the the threat Dublin have, which we're going to come up against next week, and in, in their forward line. So 
Um, it's just a matter of staying in the game for as long as you can and, and, and being competitive and, and seeing where that takes you. But um, I suppose it's just the calibre of, of teams and the intensity of what, of what teams play at and being able to break their defensive systems down. And uh, it, is, it is that much harder. Like. You, you, you came back from, from AFL to play, to play for Loud, essentially. Why did you do that? The love of the game. Um, I suppose it, it was it was six years away from GA and I'm missing out on that whole community aspect of, of family and friends and, and, and playing with the the lads that I suppose you grew up with. Uh, it, it's definitely something something I missed. Uh, don't get me wrong. I suppose my time down in in Australia was was an amazing experience. Uh, six years. It was a lot of it was a big stint in my in my life. Um, one that I will, will, will not regret, uh, but coming home and I suppose getting back into the into the fold of things was uh, was was refreshing. Um, didn't have an easy run of it. Uh, I was only back from from Australia and actually fractured my ankle in a in in my first game back in an intermediate final with my club. So uh, it wasn't a great start uh, getting back into getting back into things in Ireland. Um, but look, yeah, I I, I miss my family. I miss my mum. Uh, miss missed everything about the GEA and it's I know in loud it's and my family and my club it's it's all we think about is every day and I nearly to an extent see GEA as my as, as my job so um look hopefully hopefully I can get back into the swing of things over the next couple of years if I'm if I'm 19 years of age and I get offered a contract to go to Australia how much do I get for a year more or less I suppose just on the professional side of things Growing up as a kid, it's 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 something that you always wanted to do, play a professional sport. I know for myself, like uh, you dreamt of playing soccer as a kid or, or whatnot. You never thought it was going to be Aussie rules, but uh, for myself, it kind of it ended up going that way. Uh, starting out as as a rookie, I suppose an international rookie. Um, in my time, 2013, you might get seventy to eighty thousand Aussie dollars, which is roughly about fifty, sixty thousand euro. Um, but I suppose within within that contract, there's there's incentives like you get a car. Yeah, and, yeah different incentives. It depends uh, the amount of games you might play in the senior team. You might get an extra four grand a game. So financially, as as a young kid, it's uh, there is a lot of money to be earned. Uh, and as and as the years goes on, obviously that gets better depending on how you're going. But uh, look, it's a no-brainer for a young lad being thrown such such money. If, so if you get to twenty six, we'll say. And you're, we'll say you're a mid-team player. You're not one of the absolute stars. What kind of money would a player be on at that stage? Getting very personal with the questions here. <laughs> no, yeah. <laughs> no, you I'm not talking about you. If you don't care, you know. Yeah, yeah. I'm not. I'm not talking about you. But in general, what would the stars? Just give me a broad ballpark. Oh, look, it would range between 150k a year to like if if you're a superstar in the game. Like my best mate in Australia is the captain of the team. He he's Aussie. He's getting. Well over a million, like there's, there's is he mass- really a million a season? Wow. Yeah, he's getting a million a year. So, uh, look, there, there is massive money to be made in it. Like I lasted five, six seasons, and look, I I done quite well out of it financially. But I suppose like that can't be your main driver. Like if you're sure if you're over just for the for the money, then you're in the wrong headspace straight away. So, uh, but look, that's that's the benefits of a professional sport. You can't be. And what are you working at since you, since you came home? Yeah, so since I came home, I started with a, a sports company. So I was a, a, an ambassador for them, kind of selling sports clothes and whatnot. So that got me back into 
I suppose the the general lifestyle of, of things in Ireland. So the nine to five job, which was quite a hard thing to adapt to, considering football was my job before that. But um, now I've set up my own um, reformer Pilates company um, just here in Live Village, so uh, which is going quite well. Um, up until late, I had to close there, obviously uh, with the knee injury for the last last couple of weeks. Which was, you had to close. You, what, what's your business called? Uh, Body Rock Reformer Pilates. And so, so you had to close Body Rock when you got injured. Yeah, that's that's the nature of being self-employed. Um, had a had a closed doors because. Uh, because reformer Pilates is quite new to a lot of people, I, I couldn't actually physically show people the stuff on the machine. So unfortunately, I had a close-up shop, and at the minute, I didn't have anyone working for me. Uh, but I will in the next couple of weeks. But that's the nature of, of football. You're going to get injured, and, and being self-employed, it can be quite tough. Um, but look, uh, they show showing. How's business? Do you mind me? As soon as I'm on the personal questions line, uh, how how how's business going? It's going great, yeah. Um, I suppose as years go by, people are investing a lot more in the, I suppose, the physical and mental health, and uh, I'm the beneficiary there, I suppose, in that in that regard. But uh, that's people are quite conscious of how to look and how to feel. So um, I'm here to, I suppose, make people feel better, both physically and mentally. That's a massive part of life at the minute. So uh, I enjoy it, and hopefully everyone enjoys it too. Kieran, might might look uh, best look at the business. I hope it's going well for you. Um, it's, it's brilliant to hear your 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 passion and love of the game. What you're you're involved in the setup now, Mickey Hart. So it's a top class environment, as, as you described. What are the main differences from the professional environment on a day to day or on game day compared to, say, what Loud has at the moment on game day? How would you describe the the, the differences? The biggest difference, James, is. Like when you're in Australia, that that is your job. You're, you're waking up in the morning. You have you have this at at your back door from seven in the morning to nine at night. It's it's your job, and it, you're fully focused on it. Whereas when you come back into like I suppose an amateur system, Mickey and Gavin only have us a couple of nights a week. You're you're doing your Tuesday and Thursday sessions, and then obviously the games on the weekends. But at the minute, within our within our environment, it's as professional as it gets. Um, Obviously, it's not as full time as it was as it was then on but we have access to to everything the the stats, the, the video analysis, um, all, all all the stuff that you would do um, at a professional level, which we've done then in Australia. So the comparison is is quite similar, but obviously just not the the, the time restraints is probably the biggest thing. Um, and Mickey and Gavin have, have, have brought that into loud, and the standards have gone have gone through the roof. You um you are kind you're 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 after coming back in your in your mid twenties to play Gaelic football and hopefully get over this injury and you'll you'll play five six seven more years for loud, but it seems to me from talking to a lot of people that there are players going in the other direction now and going to be in increasing numbers, and that it's related to perceptions around the capacity to be to buy a house to build a career to have a future in ireland is that is that something that you're hearing talk about yeah you're not just hearing it you're seeing it as well paul um i suppose within loud i think we had four or five lads uh within the squad that were in the squad last year who left the squad and went to australia um just to go and enjoy their lives i suppose look uh, James and, and Morris will agree with me. You have to love the sport. Um, 
like from from deep um because if you don't and you're not fully committed to it you will you will find your way out of it um being an inter-county player uh, it's quite selfish it's it's a full-time gig and if you're not invested in you, you'll you'll find yourself out of it as i said but um there's a lot of sacrifices uh, it takes to be an inter-county player like you miss a lot of things in your youth you, weddings stags uh, a lot of these things you you have to not go to, uh, which can be quite tough. Um, going to weddings and not drinking are, are quite boring. <laughs> but uh, these are these are sacrifices you do for the love of the game, and um, hopefully in the long run, like it pays off and, and we get the success that we deserve. But uh, it is tough. Uh, don't get me wrong. I see that that thing that idea of four players leaving the panel to go, and we do know that people have always emigrated from this country. I was looking at reports there in the 1980s for example one quarter of the playing population of Roscommon left the country between 1985 and 1988 so this is something that's a retold story where there's a better Mayo team in London than there is in in Ireland or there's whole parishes basically decamping to cities uh, uh, across the world in in the in the 80s and in the 50s and go back on and it's something as well about why people leave i think there's a change from talking to people as to why they're leaving though now it's that it's that idea of what you're going to get later in your life how are you going to build a career so i went back and i looked at alish kelly's report which he did for the esri back in 2016 2017 2018 about ga players and the reasons why they were and the turnover according to the survey that she did of GA players who she surveyed from year to year was 30% leaving panels. Now, I don't think too many people are leaving panels that are successful and going away, but I think at the low end or at the lower end of panels, there's really significant churn of, of players. So she then asked, why were people leaving panels of that 30% of leaving panels? So if you look at the, the, take that group of people who were leaving panels, 22% left because, well, they were told to leave. They were not selected. So there was one-fifth gone straight away out of that. Another 22% said the main reason they left was because there was no ch- one of the main reasons was there was no chance of success. A quarter left because of injury. So then you get to the two main reasons why people were leaving. Number one was family. This is for all for over 26s, by the way. But this is for family or for over 26 is 48 percent of them who left the panel left because they wanted to focus on their career and that really is quite a striking thing if you think about it because over 26 focusing on your career also means that you're thinking about things like buying a house you're thinking about where you're going to live and everything to do with that and morris it seems to me that this is a story that's going to grow and grow in in the coming years while there's a, a kind of a, a broader housing crisis. 100%, yeah. I, I, I kind of tend to disagree with you slightly. I, as big an issue as this is for an inter-county game, they are probably better, particularly top inter-county teams, are very good at alleviating some of these issues to a certain extent. Whereas yeah. this is this is the devil at the door for, for clubs. like this. Is I agree, the, actually. That's a good point. That's a good point. And particularly, I actually spoke to somebody who was at a, a provincial accountant meeting recently, and he said the first half hour of it was totally dedicated to reading out transfers to Australia. That's what they did for, for half an hour to start. And it's becoming a, it's a prevailing crisis. This is not a GA issue. This is a socioeconomic issue. Kind of more, it's nearly tied to the national spatial strategy for, for Ireland as a whole. But it is 
going to absolutely, it's a significant issue for the GA and it's becoming more and more severe. And I do think the strands to this, Paul, I've long advocated, I think the association would really benefit from setting up a task force to, to delve into this. Because while, as I, I stress, this is not their fault, it's going to both from two, there's two sides to this, right? There's, there's rural clubs who can't find players and there's urban clubs who can't find spaces to play. And this is, it's threatening the model of a lot of clubs, just periods. And until you fix both of those issues, like the issue of amalgamation, the issue of facilities, all that stuff is is massive for the GA. And it kind of needs, you can't bury your head in the sand with all that because it's becoming, as, as, as bad as it is to hear about rural clubs facing amalgamation, there's just as big issues. There's a really sick situation in Galway now, for example, about facilities, about my own club is tied up in it, about uh, South and North Carolina, where they're, where they're going to play, are they going to move into into a new parish and what consequences that has for other clubs. So as, as I, I, I'm keen to stress, this is not the GA's fault, but it is a huge problem at the door. And I do think somebody needs to grasp the nettle and kind of realise how are we, do we, can we have a conversation at least about how are we going to amalgamate clubs, how, where are we going to play, how are we going to facilitate all these kind of people? Because as you've laid out there, it's becoming worse and worse. And as long as the cost of living crisis is around, which looks like it's going to be around for a while, it's only going to become more and more severe. Yeah, and and one of the counties, James, that really has struggled over the years from emigration is Leitrim. And Sligo too have lost a lot of people from from the West over the generations. And Division 4 is unbelievably tight at the business end of things. Leitrim, Sligo, Leash and Wicklow are all still in the hunt. It pivots on one basic game, Sligo v Leitrim next weekend whoever wins is more or less is just up and that's it H- how will that game be locally that's a, it's it's a huge it's a huge game obviously um you know it's like sligo and leitrim have have they've real ambition you, you, you know and and drive to get out of, of, of division four so that might be a that might be a good game to to, to go to at, at, at the weekend you know and I'm sure it won't be the last time they'll they'll, they'll meet this year so so uh that's going to be that's going to be really interesting but just, can I get back to the point I think that's a really interesting point um you, you know players leaving intercounty and and the focus on careers now and intercounty is a reflection of society you, you know we, we have a huge amount of young people going to going to America, you know Australia Canada America, Dubai, everywhere they're going everywhere. Everywhere, and you, you know, there's a COVID bounce out of, out of this as well, which is which is which is really yeah, really true. interesting one as well. So, you know, that pent up, and then people who want want to look abroad. So, there's going to be natural fall off, if you want to call it. But, and I'm sure Mickey Hart is doing this as well. But a lot of counties now, you can't have a player performing at their best at the highest level if his whole life, lifestyle, and career and football isn't in balance. Totally agree. You you know you you have to if you have a player that's playing into county football at a high level, and worried about where he's going to get paid or how his you know the relationship with his girlfriend or he's trying to do college or whatever. If that's not right and he's not comfortable and and and, and has a balance, he's not going to perform like he can. So there's been a huge focus over the last number of years to to make sure that everything comes up together you know performance of the field comes up for for that to happen his lifestyle his relationships and family career all that kind of stuff so there's a huge focus on that uh, how can how can you maximize their career while they're playing football or, or, or you know their preparation for their career or, 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 or whatever it is and just on the COVID thing we, we we found it very interesting I suppose where we're based you know Mayo we would we had an awful lot of players in 
in Dublin, in college in Dublin, yeah. working in Dublin, etc. And the the journey up and down, whether it be after a training or after a game, was horrendous for our for, for our injury rate. It just is over 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 time. You know, you you Rob Hendy and Kenny O'Connor and all these guys coming yeah. up and down for games again. So with remote working, we got a huge bounce off that um, during COVID. So you'd have players, you know, that are very serious about their career. These guys are in serious positions that they, you know, on training days or whatever it is that they could work from home so they could maximize their recovery. They could go to train and they could wait and they could travel in their own time the next day if they needed to go back up to their, their workplace or whatever. So it's a, it's, it's a change in, it's a change in environment. Um, like, like society is but but definitely the idea of you just you know push a player on the field and you you know you get the max out of him unless everything around him is coming up at the same time you did you, you have a dedicated one. person to do that with mayo players or were you doing it mostly yourself i know we 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 a specialist in uh helping us with that um what kind of a specialist really we we a career coach um, and then we'd 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 sort of a form of 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 three top level businessmen um, that just, never just wanted their names mentioned, never wanted never wanted anything, but but really helped and supported. And you know we had the support then from you know getting players LinkedIn set up correctly, getting their profiles set up, all that kind of stuff would all would all be done by by experts to, to you know that would that would they'd meet regularly with the players to to make sure that that was moved forward as well. I just put in there. That, that's so interesting to hear, James. I suppose that you've had someone in there to, to look after the players on, on the grand scheme of the, of the lifestyle and whatnot, because that's the way intercounty has gone. Um, but I suppose it's a lot easier for teams. I suppose in Division One, Division Two, to get yeah. to get player jobs that are that are suitable uh, for their lifestyle with GA. But if you go down to Division Three and Division Four, these teams aren't getting that support, uh, and players aren't. Like a lot of, it'd be interesting to see what the breakdown of, of jobs are within Division Three and Division Four teams. A lot of the boys could be electricians or carpenters. They're, they're making them long travel days and having to go to training that night. It's it, it is it's chalk and cheese when it comes to comparison um, between Division One, Two, and then Three and Four. Like it, it's crazy to think. I know my lifestyle. Uh, the job that I've doing at the minute it does marry well with with GEA and. Mm. For example, on Mondays, I, I leave Mondays pretty free so I can recover from the games on the weekend. That's just the way Intercounty has gone. You have to you have to think like a professional. And uh, but it's just it's just interesting to hear a few things what James said there, and, and that is that is the difference between between the top level teams and and I suppose the the lower level teams. Kieran, did you turn down the the chance to go back to Australia before you did your crucius this time? Uh, yeah, I did. Yeah, so um, that conversation came well before the league even started, uh, and it was something that I did think about uh, a lot. Uh, but when I really, really sat down with the people that I love most and uh, and seeing what seeing my head up hand out and uh, GA was was what I wanted to to play and I suppose create a legacy for myself here. But that's going to be put on hold now for another year or so. And I presume Mickey Hart is involved in that conversation and selling you uh, a legacy in terms of in terms of keeping you around, is what I mean. Oh yeah, look, that's that, that's inevitable. Um, I sat down with Mickey, sat down with my family, and sat down with I suppose the people that means most to me. And uh, when I when I put it all into consideration, it's that's that's what I wanted to do. And I suppose James would be in that situation. I suppose with a lot of players uh, back back in his time as well. It's 
it's about retaining uh, your, your your top players within the team. And I suppose in Loud, we need we need everyone driving in the same boat to to succeed. And uh, I suppose I'm looking forward to get back into that next year. Yeah, James, you lost Pierce Hanley. Is that right? Were you was he gone before your? No, no, Pierce. Pierce was gone a long time before um, for, for that. Yeah, so so uh, obviously Pierce huge huge success down there. Oshin Oshi Mullen, <coughs> Oshin Mullen. Obviously, I was I was involved with Oshin, and like Kieran is saying, sat down and and and, and worked 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 through it with him. You know, um, so so yeah. And he stayed on for 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 a year or two then. Yeah, with COVID and everything else, and where he was in his life, it was just the, the, the you know the right thing. He, he gave Mayo another year, and, and now he's out there with with Jalan at the moment. With I think with Zach and, and Mark Connor, though. So yeah, really looking forward to to seeing how he he, he does. From 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 my knowledge of of, of AFL, I think is I, I can't see how he won't be a success. He's a Brilliant player with a brilliant attitude, courageous, and <clears throat> huge acceleration, which I think is probably key for key for the game. His 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 north to sixty is 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 off the chart. So I'm really looking forward to see how he how how he develops. But uh, yeah, it was a huge huge decision for him. When you take family and circumstances and relationships and everything into it, um, it's you know, and his love of his love of Gaelic as well. So it's a huge decision for him. But 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 we're we're, we're following him closely to see how he does. Yeah, and I suppose your your hope is that he will. He will enjoy it for a few years and do what Kieran did, and then and then come back to to Mayo. Ah, look, as want want him to be as successful as as possible. He's a br- brilliant fella, and 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 uh, we we wish him we wish him all the best. This weekend, um, we haven't spoken about Wicklow, who play Waterford this weekend, and we haven't spoken about Leash, who have kind of unravelled in the last couple of weeks by. Losing uh, to to Wicklow and losing to Leitrim having looked set fair in Division Four. That being said, they beat London. There's still a good chance for them, but it's it's a dogfight to get out of Division Four too. Four teams could all end up on equal points. You could have Leitrim, Sligo, Leash, and Wicklow all on ten points, all going to be decided by by scoring difference, which would leave Wicklow in in a bit of baller so that's the play for next weekend the big matches in division three are Cavan from Anna and uh Offley against Down the big match in division two well there's only one to talk of it's it's Dublin Loud and what we're going to do for the last two minutes is we're going to try and call the results of these key matches next weekend I'm just going to ask each of you for a winner one word after we do the names and we'll keep a score and how we go on uh, on, on 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 all of this, James Roscommon Donegal. Yeah, Roscommon. Morris. Uh, Roscommon, yeah. Kieran. Yeah, Roscommon. Galway Kerry, James. <laughs> go go with home. Go with home. Go with home. Okay, Kieran. Kerry. Morris. Uh, Kerry. Okay, well, well, we'll have a point to divide on this one. Um, and Mayo Monaghan, James, uh, Mayo, Morris, Mayo. Yeah, there's only one winner there, yeah, it's Mayo, Mayo. Okay, and James, our last one in Division One, Tyrone and Armagh, the great, the two great lovers of the modern age, yeah. they like each other yeah. so much. Yeah, Tyrone, Kieran. Tyrone, yeah, I agree with James now. Yeah. And Morris. Tyrone. 
Paul, have you uh, have you completely oh, yeah. forgot to give in your picks for the last four games there? Well, the, the, the line has again gone very bad. I, yeah. I'm much better on history than on the future. I'll, well, I'll say Roscommon will beat Donegal, Galway will beat Kerry, Mayo will beat Monaghan, and Armagh will beat Tyrone. Um, mm. Division two, we'll, we'll only do the match that matters here at Dublin Loud, James. And Croker, I think. It's in Croker, right? Dublin. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Morris. I'd say Dublin as well. Kieran, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going against Kieran. I'm going to back. I'm going to back us. We're going to beat the Dublin. Go, man, Kieran. Um, I I think Dublin will win, but I think it'll be really tight uh, for at least for a long stretch. Um, uh, Division three. There's two games that matter. Uh, James, Kevin for Mana. Kevin. Morris. Yeah, Kevin. Kieran. It'd be very close, but yeah, I'd say Cavan might just breeze through there, yeah. Yeah, I think Fermanagh will win that one. Uh, Division 3, Offaly against Down, James. Yeah, I think Offaly might, might bounce there. Yeah. Morris. Down. Sorry, Morris, yeah, no, I uh, didn't quite hear that, Morris. <laughs> Do you want to have another think about that one? <laughs> <laughs> you think Down will win that? I think so, yeah, yeah. Um, I think uh, I like I, I've been kind of impressed by it though. I know they got a lot of heat after the, the back to Cavan game, but yeah, I agree. Uh, yeah. I, 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 yeah, I can see where I can see where you're coming from. That like, Kieran, yeah, not a close game, but Offley might just breeze through that one, just about. Yeah, well, I'm obviously only going to say Offley uh, on 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 that one. Um, now, Division Four, the two games we'll look at: Leitrim, Sligo, James. Oh, it's going to be some game. Uh, Leitrim, maybe to sneak that one. Actually, I want to ask you this now. Uh, Neil, Neil uh, was on with us. Neil Ewing was on with us uh, a couple of weeks ago, and he was, um, he was, he was, he was sharing a lot of love with with Mayo. Who do you want to win that game between Leitrim and Sligo? <laughs> ah, look, I'd like to, you'd like to see Andy Moore do well. Um, I knew you were going to say that. You, safe, safe play, to... wasn't it? <laughs> Yeah. yeah, don't blame you. That's that's uh, that's how, so. So you t- who 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 do you say will win? Sorry, who uh, will Leitrim. win that? Leitrim. Leitrim will take that Morris, Sligo, Kieran. Go a draw game in that one. Okay, I think Sligo will win. Um, and Watford, Wicklow, and London Leash. So Watford, Wicklow, London Leash, James. Wicklow, Leash, obviously. Yeah, Morris. I agree, yeah. Probably just it's worth paying note. We didn't get to see much of this game, but one of the most significant results of the weekend is Waterford winning their first game in over 600 days. That's a, to, to not have won a game in over 600 days, to concede a penalty, two penalties and a black card and still come out to win is a fairly remarkable result for Free Fitzgerald. So, um, yeah, that was, that was an incredible result for Waterford, but I still think they'll lose next weekend. I want to say something about Waterford, actually. There's a, a really serious, genuine Waterford football community who are really serious about the game, who put an awful lot into it. And I really don't think they're well served by people in the county. And I get the love of Harlan and I get all of that. But seriously, for what Watford footballers deserve proper treatment, proper a proper status within the county uh, in, in, in all of that. And to see them, to, to even say that they won their first match in 600 days, like what, what, a, what a sentence. Um, Kieran, who will win those two matches? Watford, Wicklow and London Leash. Yeah, similar James, Wicklow and Leash. Uh, Oshin's done a great job with Wicklow there, so I think they'll get over the line and, and get promoted. 
I would like to thank you very much, Kieran, for for joining uh, for joining the podcast today. I really wish you well with your rehabilitation. Looking forward to seeing you back in a, a loud jersey, and really wish you the best of luck with the with the business as as well. I'd like to thank James as well again, and and Morris for joining us today. Thanks to Larry for running the podcast, to Raf Rocca and to Jack Neville, to Tony Lean, and to everyone at Examiner Sport, Bimich Harnashkalua. Allianz. Supporting all 32 counties through the Alliance Leagues.